Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel, broadcasting from my house, as many of us in the newsroom work remotely. The number of COVID-19 cases continues to grow across Connecticut, despite Governor Lamont telling residents to stay home. It's been one week since his executive order went into effect, directing all non-essential businesses and not-for-profit entities in the state to close. But how are Connecticut municipalities responding to the pandemic? Today, where we live, we talk with New Haven Mayor Justin Elliker about his city's response. The Elm City has a deep ties to New York, a region that has more confirmed cases than any other place in the country. We find out how the mayor's working to slow the number of cases in his community and learn about measures he's put in place to help residents. Do you live in New Haven? What questions do you have for Mayor Elliker about the city's response to this pandemic? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. As always, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. As we've done in previous weeks, our guests are joining us remotely as well. Uh, Mayor Justin Elliker, again, the mayor of New Haven, joining us via Zoom. Mayor Elliker, welcome back to the show. Uh, Good to be here. Thanks so much, Lucy. Also with us for the hour is Dr. Mahul Dalal, who's the Community Services Administrator for the City of New Haven. He oversees the Health Department and Social Services Department for the City. Dr. Dalal, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucy. I'll start with Mayor Elliker. I spoke with you uh, last year when you were running uh, to be uh, the next mayor of New Haven. I can't imagine that, that this pandemic was something you ever thought you'd be dealing with in your first term. I knew we'd have a lot of challenges, but I don't think any of us imagined that this would be uh, the challenge that we uh, would all be facing. I think one of the nice things is the entire country is going through this together, and that's a real opportunity for us to lean on each other and learn from other cities that are doing creative things to address the problems. Uh, when we talk about everyone working together uh, to deal with this pandemic, tell me, um, you know, how often are you in contact with uh, your many employees and what has it been like the last two weeks? Uh, well, actually, we uh, speaking in particular about collaborating with other communities, we have uh, calls. I have calls with the other mayors of large cities in, uh, in Connecticut on a regular basis, Bridgeport, Stanford, uh, Hartford and um, uh, Waterbury. And also we, from time time to time, have calls with um, our regional uh, towns around New Haven. And that's been hugely helpful as we've implemented a lot of orders to restrict uh, the uh, grouping that is happening in our cities. If we do things together, not only um, does it help us uh, get the right outcome, but it also helps us from a health perspective because if only one of our towns limits res- uh, the restriction on movements, but the other towns don't, uh, it doesn't do as much to fight the virus. As far as communication with our employees and residents, um, almost every night I'm doing a robocall to all of our residents with updates on what the city's doing, updates on some new orders restricting movements, Um, And uh, I think that's really important, particularly in a time where a lot of people are really afraid and there's a lot of uncertainty. Making sure that we have that direct communication with residents is critical. 
Uh, you mentioned some of the big cities. What about uh, North Haven, West Haven, Hamden? How do you collaborate and talk with those municipal leaders? Well, we've done uh, uh, conference calls with uh, the towns around New Haven as well. And um, that's been helpful. Obviously, we don't always share exactly the same issues because a lot of the towns around New Haven are much more suburban. Um, but overall, uh, we have been communicating and doing conference calls. And I think that is helpful to make sure that we're, uh, we're in line with each other and collaborating. And also, there's a lot of things that we can learn from each other. Um, just to give an example, we've been in a lot of communications with Hartford and been struggling um, to make sure to support uh, individuals experiencing homelessness. And this is actually a very um, big topic as a part of the pandemic, because we want to make sure that individuals are able to self-isolate, um, that there's not uh, a spread of the virus within the, uh, the homeless population. And we're looking at a lot of different strategies to address that, um, that uh, I hope we can perhaps talk about. Um, but in particular, working with uh, some of our other cities like Hartford has given us some ideas on how to uh, approach this in a, in a more effective way. You can join our conversation with Mayor Justin Elliker, the mayor of New Haven, especially if you're a New Haven resident. If you have a question uh, for the mayor, the number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, before we talk about um, some of the measures to protect, as you mentioned, the homeless population, I wanted to find out just right now, what do we know about the number of cases in New Haven? Uh, Dr. DeLal, can, can you pipe in? Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, about 2,000 cases in the state of Connecticut. Uh, we counted 71 in New Haven. And uh, we believe that uh, in terms of the number of cases, we're on uh, kind of the scary part of the curve. We think we're going to be uh, experiencing an exponential rise in the number of cases over the coming days. They're predicting a peak in mid-April. But again, that's just a prediction. It depends on a number of factors, including some of the measures that Mayor Elliker and the other towns in the state have put in place uh, a week ago or two, week, two weeks ago, that's what's going to determine how um, sharply our cases peak. Uh, and it's going to also determine um, how, uh, how overwhelmed potentially our healthcare system will be. So tell us more about the cases in the city of New Haven, Dr. DeLaw. I understand there have been at least two deaths of the people that have COVID-19. Are they mostly elderly? Is it a wide range of ages? It is a wide range of ages that, in terms of the number who have been uh, impacted, uh, as is the case globally. The, those with more severe disease and the deaths have skewed into the older, older age range. Uh, that is what is expected based on the, the, the nature of the disease. Uh, so yes, we've had two deaths. One, one is in a, more of a middle-aged person and one is in an older person. I asked that for that clarification, uh, Mayor Elliger, because um, when we think about the importance of social distancing, uh, people thinking they might be uh, not in danger of this because they may not be a senior citizen. What can you tell uh, your, your residents about the importance of taking this seriously no matter your age? Yeah, this is something that I have just uh, pushed out over and over and over again, that even though someone might not be as susceptible to some of the severe health impacts um, because of their age, uh, they will spread it to many other people, including uh, folks that may have uh, a compromised immune system or are, are seniors. And so it's very, very important that every single person uh, follows the directions that we're providing 
to do social distancing, kind of hunker down at home, not interact with a lot of people, because the, this is, I think, one of the only times in my lifetime where literally every person has a role in uh, in helping either spread or uh, stop the spread of this virus by their own individual actions. Um, and in some ways, that's kind of scary because we're reliant on so many members of the community, every member of the community to uh, help protect us. But also, in some ways, it's really inspiring to see just how many people are um, heeding these warnings and uh, trying to do their part to keep so many members of our community safe. I think that um, uh, we, we've seen a lot of uh, or we've seen some uh, some groups that aren't paying attention. You know, we just closed down playgrounds yesterday, for example, because we've had a lot of congregating around playgrounds. Um, in New Haven, we restricted the number of uh, individuals or kids that could be at a daycare. Um, and those types of things, even though the virus doesn't have, in general, as severe health impacts on children, uh, children can spread the virus. And that's why we've been pretty aggressive at uh, limiting the number of groups that, uh, that people are allowed to gather. You mentioned closing down playgrounds uh, at schools as well as playgrounds at parks. So what happens if residents aren't following that? How will you be enforcing this? Yeah, this is a tough question. I think that um, uh, because a number of our playgrounds don't have fences around them. And so we'll send a police officer out and the police officer will ask people to disperse. You know, we're not arresting people or finding people at this point. If it continues to be a problem, then um, we may explore finding people. But at this point, um, I think the very uh, fact that there's a sign up at the playground that says it's closed. And if someone comes and asks people to leave, we found that um, uh, people have been complying with that uh, and uh, that there, there isn't a major problem once there is that rule out there of people following these directions. You can join our conversation with Mayor Justin Elliker. He's a first-term mayor in the city of New Haven. If you live in the Elm City, we want to hear from you. Um, how would you rate uh, the city's response uh, to trying to slow the spread of COVID-19? Join us at 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Pat's calling from New Haven. Pat, go ahead. Um, I think the media have provided lots of coverage of the city's and the Board of Education's efforts to provide meals for the children of the city. I'm wondering if you could talk about what is being done by the city to reach out to older adults, particularly the ones that use senior centers and rely on the midday meal um, as Part, an important part of their basic nutrition, but just in general, what is the city's strategy for reaching out to older adults who are the most vulnerable population? Pat, thank you for your question. Mayor Elliker. Um, Dr. Dilla, do you want to take this one? I'm happy to oh, do it, but you, you yeah. have been working a lot more on this. Yeah, uh, the older adults is a, a, a very special concern, so I do appreciate the caller's question. We have been very clear in our messaging for older adults that, that it, they, they should stay at home because if they do get contract uh, COVID-19, their risk of a more severe course is much higher. This poses a special challenge when the older adults are relying on uh, basic needs. So we, we fully recognize that that's the case. So what have we done so far? We have, because our schools are out and our public health nurses do not need to staff the schools, we have reassigned our public health nurses 
to make calls to older adults uh, throughout the city. Um, and based on those calls, we'll be assessing citywide what the basic needs and uh, a basic uh, um, information needs as well as goods, foods, and other essential needs will be for the older adults. And we'll take action based on what we find citywide. We also have our senior centers, which were closed along with the schools uh, over two weeks ago. And uh, we are transitioning that program to make deliveries uh, and pickups in a way that is safe for the seniors with respect to social distancing guidelines while the food is being distributed. It is very important that for this population that we do this right. So the transition period requires a little bit of planning. We have planned that and that will be implemented, I believe, this week. Oh, Dr. If I could add some, oh, go ahead, Mayor Elger. Some other points there, um, and it's good to hear uh, Pat's voice. She actually used to work with um, seniors in New Haven in her role in the city, so it's nice to hear her uh, calling out. Um, we also are very, uh, in particular, concerned about nursing homes because this has been a major problem uh, in other uh, states where we've seen a, a very vulnerable population. Um, and also not just nursing homes, but uh, areas where there's a concentration of seniors that are living, uh, but they're living independently. And in particular, we've been focusing on Bella Vista because there's about 2000 people that live there and it's not as restricted of an environment. We've had a lot of conversations with the management company there. They've increased uh, some of their uh, security to make sure that there are not unauthorized visitors going on and off the site so that we can reduce the number of people that potentially might be exposed. Um, they're working closely with uh, Fairhaven Health, which has a um, site at Villa Vista to check on residents and provide support if residents have symptoms of COVID-19 or, or do end up uh, testing positive. Um, as of now, are there residents at Bella Vista that um, are positive for COVID-19? I ask because uh, in my town of, of Suffield, there is an assisted living facility as well as a skilled nursing facility where there are now a number of cases among elderly and some of the staff. This is probably much a big concern for you because once somebody gets it, it's highly contagious. Sure. So my understanding is there is one resident, but that resident is still at the hospital and has not returned to Bella Vista. Uh, Dr. Dalal, uh, when you were talking about the, the emphasis and making sure that um, getting food uh, to the elderly and others around uh, the, the city in a safe way, I was also thinking about just efforts to reach people um, when we think about mental health, whether it's someone who's elderly or not. Uh, this is a very stressful time for a lot of people. When you think about having to self-isolate, uh, to stay home, not everybody has family or are uh, good neighbors nearby uh, to, to help. Uh, I'm just curious how the city hopes to address those needs as well. Uh, thanks, Lucy, for that question. That is so important these times. Again, this type of situation is unprecedented and we are asking people to stay at home. So, so social distancing also for some can mean social isolation. Uh, we are trying to be very creative in how we promote social connections uh, during this period. We have the um, advantage of having a large number of nonprofits uh, and healthcare systems that, that have focused on mental health uh, throughout their history and decades in the city. So they know the city very well. So we have partnered with uh, Clifford Beers Clinic, United Way. They are looking to stand up what, what is something called a warm line. A warm line is not a hotline with respect to COVID specifically, but uh, with respect to individuals and families that may need some additional support with respect to their mental health. 
Uh, but he, so we worry a lot about individuals with pre-existing mental health conditions, but there's also the conditions that are brought on by the stress related with this. Anyone can suffer from stress-related reactions related to this, um, uh, this scenario. So I encourage folks to look, look at guidelines that the CDC has put forward. Uh, you know, it's not usual to have, uh, to be staying at home with your kids for a long period of time, as many uh, in, listeners may know. And you need to have a different set of coping strategies with respect to uh, how you do family time, how you set limits with your kids. All of this is very important. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, we should be tapping into uh, telehealth technology, I'm sorry, um, uh, video conferencing technologies to uh, help maintain those uh, social connections. And Dr. Dalal, if someone doesn't have that kind of uh, internet or technology at their home, how how then um, can they be checked on? Uh, we would rely on the telephone, uh, uh, you know, uh, to to make maintain that connection. We do not want to promote people visiting because that's one primary way that uh, uh, that this spreads. Uh, I know it's it's uh, it's very tempting and it sometimes seems very necessary. Uh, but one has to be very careful, especially if you have an older uh, older adult, that limit your visits to the, those individuals because uh, if they do get the disease, uh, their risk of having a severe course of disease is very high. You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Uh, we're focusing on the response in the city of New Haven. You just heard Dr. Mehul Dalal, Community Service Administrator for the city of New Haven. And with us as well, Mayor Justin Elliker. Uh, Alam is calling in. Alam, what's your question? Is this me? Yes, go uh, ahead. I'm an alderman in here in New Britain, Connecticut, and um, uh, in in the city of New Britain, the mayor uh, requires all employees to show up to work in city hall. Uh, what? And I, I believe it's uh, pretty much a puts them in danger. What's the policy in uh, New Haven regarding city employees and who is considered essential or not? Mayor Elker. Um, so there, there is a mixture of uh, uh, strategies that we're using. We have a lot of employees that are um, are working from home, and we've provided them with devices. Um, we still have some employees that uh, uh, we're deeming as critical. Um, and unlike a hurricane, say, there's a different type of employees in this type of health emergency that might be deemed essential. Uh, for example, we still have refuse pickup. Um, we still have uh, emergency inspections if there's a problem with an apartment, um, but we've changed a lot of the ways that we're doing business to um, allow residents and our employees to interact remotely. Um, a lot of our higher level staff is working from home and much of the work that we're doing doesn't actually need to be, uh, you don't actually need to be physically present. Um, so it's a real mix of our approach. Um, there's also, we realized pretty quickly, there's, it's complicated from um, a union and labor perspectives. And we've, uh, we have a labor director that's worked very hard to work through these issues in a quick uh, fashion to make sure that we're doing things um, in collaboration with the labor unions. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back shortly with Mayor Justin Elliker, who leads the city of New Haven, as well as Dr. Mehul Dalal, the community service administrator for the Elm City. You can join us too, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. My guest today, New Haven Mayor Justin Elliker and the city's Community Services Administrator, Dr. Mehul Dalal. If you're a New Haven resident, we want to hear from you. Do you have questions for the mayor and Dr. Dalal? Um, if you are living in New Haven and you're trying to do your best to stay at home but have questions about the measures in place to protect your community, you can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Mayor Elliker, we know that first responders, healthcare workers, they don't have the luxury to stay at home. They have a very important job to do. It's also very dangerous for them. I'm curious what is going on in terms of the number of first responders who are showing symptoms and how quickly are they being tested? Um, this has been a major uh, focus of ours, and uh, it, we're coming at this in a variety of ways. As you know, many people or many cities uh, in all around the U.S. are very focused on PPE, personal protective equipment, in particular N95 masks. And uh, our team has been working very hard to identify uh, potential sources of safety equipment so that we can keep our first responders as safe as possible. It's been one of the things we've worked on uh, a lot. And uh, you're right that the um, uh, first responders, uh, in particular police and fire in New Haven, are on the front lines of this. And uh, we're doing a number of uh, things to work to uh, make sure that they're as safe as possible. Unlike a lot of communities, New Haven's fire department will respond to every medical call. Um, we keep track of uh, COVID positive uh, cases in their locations in New Haven as quickly as we can get them so that the fire department knows when they're uh, visiting a home, whether there's a suspected case. Um, and we want to uh, make sure that if our firefighters or police officers do get exposed or are symptomatic, that they have a place to go um, so they're not exposing their family. And so we've been working with the University of New Haven uh, to, uh, and we should go live uh, this week, later on this week, uh, to have housing for our first responders that may um, indicate symptoms or potentially be exposed to COVID-19. Once our, our first responders do test positive, and a couple of them already have, um, if they do not have the option to self-isolate at home, we have a facility set up for them so that they can um, isolate as a group in New Haven while they get better. You mentioned uh, collaborating with the University of New Haven. You, you had also reached out to Yale. At first they said no. Uh, now they're offering up 300 beds. So uh, right now you're working with UNH uh, to have this facility ready for first responders. But down the road, would you take up Yale's offer as well? I think that uh, it's good to have a lot of different options out there. Uh, we've been in conversations with other universities as well. And there's a lot of different types of um, uh, potential housing that we may need. Uh, for example, similar to uh, needing to uh, promote self-isolation of first responders that may be exposed but have not yet been not yet tested positive, we're interested in some housing for uh, individuals experiencing homelessness that may have been exposed, but we do not know if they do or do not have the virus. Uh, and so that's another option where um, uh, housing, where people are allowed to separate and self-isolate is very important. Um, I appreciate the university opening up the rooms uh, for that possibility. And um, we're looking at all the options available right now. 
Tell me, Mayor Elliker and Dr. Dalal, who's also with us, uh, a community services administrator for the Elm City, how are you working with Yale New Haven Hospital? It's a major hospital system right in your community. Uh, we're hearing uh, that when this spike continues, if there is a surge and demand in hospitals, that uh, these hospitals are going to need other places uh, to have a hospital um, patients who may not have COVID but still need to be treated. Tell us what that coordination is like and what are some of these other alternate places, Mayor Elgar? I mean, I, I can take a first stab at it and, and see if Dr. Dalal has something to add. The hospital has been very, very collaborative with us. Uh, we have a daily call with um, partners in the region that includes the hospital, other uh, healthcare, uh, community healthcare facilities, and so on. And the hospital has been very supportive. We're working at fast tracking the testing for our first responders. Mm-hmm. There's been a real delay, not in the actual testing, but getting the results. And they're working very hard to uh, speed up the results so that we can um, uh, find out as quickly as possible if our first responders do or do not have COVID-19 so we can get them the help that they need and make sure that they're not putting others at risk um, as one example. But we've also been collaborating in a lot of other different ways. Um, We've been in communication with the hospital about a site that we're trying to uh, stand up uh, for uh, individuals experiencing homelessness to um, uh, isolate as a group if they do test positive for COVID-19. Um, I've generally been very appreciative of the hospital's work and communication with us. Uh, Dr. Dalal, did you want to add to that? Uh, no, I think that covers it. Thank you. Um, Speaking of the homeless population, you referenced this earlier, Mayor Elliker. I believe the Commissioner of the Department of Public Health um, has asked municipalities and and other places uh, to make sure that uh, for people who are homeless, that again, uh, there are alternate locations for them so that they're not all uh, close together um, and housed. And so tell me how that has been working out for you. I'm going to let Dr. Dalal answer this because he's been working tirelessly on this, but I did, I did want to add one other part to your, your previous question. So uh, the hospital has been working hard uh, to add beds. Um, as we've seen uh, most uh, closely to us in New York, uh, the healthcare system is totally overwhelmed, and that's uh, multiple parts. It's the number of beds, it's the number of staff that can uh, support those beds, and then um, equipment, in particular ventilators. And the hospital has been working hard to, number one, clear out uh, beds in the hospital that, uh, you know, for example, people that don't absolutely need to be there. Um, And then second, they're looking at, because Yale New Haven Health is a larger network of hospitals, uh, looking at the potential to transfer some patients if they get overwhelmed in New Haven to some of the other regional hospitals. They're also looking at some of their ambulatory care units as a way to increase the number of beds. And I know that there's some exploration of a surge uh, facility or surge hospital, um, uh, presuming that we get to this point so that uh, there's more beds available um, even uh, beyond the infrastructure that we already have. Um, But with that, let me hand it over to Dr. Dallow to talk talk about our approach to uh, homelessness. Yeah, thanks, Mayor, and thanks, Lucy, for the question. the homeless population is, is, is a very high risk population. And the reason that is, is that in typical settings in shelters, there, uh, there can be many individuals in a single room and it is virtually impossible to practice the social distance, which is so important in terms of uh, mitigating the spread of the disease. So uh, we instituted a program over a week ago, uh, as we knew that this uh, 
uh, epidemic was going to hit New Haven to decompress the shelters. Uh, so we went ahead and uh, identified uh, a large number of individuals, 84 in total, uh, that could move from a sheltered environment to individual hotel rooms. So um, we, we're glad we, we did that, but there's, as you know, New Haven has a large homeless population, over 500 unsheltered uh, by last count. Uh, there's probably, that's probably an undercount. Um, and so we have a lot more room to go in with respect to decompressing our facilities that typically house the shelters. I'm very appreciative of the order that came from the Department of Public Health. That was a really necessary uh, step. Uh, it, it signals that it's very important that we focus on this population. Um, the the, popu the homeless population is uh, also at high risk for severe uh, or, or even critical disease if they do get COVID. So we want to make sure that we reduce the risk for these individuals as much as possible. Um, uh, people may not know, but the, the, the demographic profile of homeless individuals has, has shifted over the years. Uh, we see a lot more people in the older age groups which are already predisposed to having severe disease from COVID. And uh, of course, we have individuals who have immunocompromising uh, uh, medical conditions or chronic conditions, which again, predispose to more severe consequences. Uh, you can join our conversation. You're hearing Dr. Mehul Dalal, the Community Services Administrator for the City of New Haven. Also with us via Zoom, uh, the Mayor, Justin Elliker uh, of the City of New Haven. Join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Jamie's calling from New Haven. Jamie, you're on the show. Hi, thank you. Um, Mayor Elliker, I was wondering if we had any plans to close um, some of our city parks here in New Haven. Um, we have some really wonderful parks, and uh, especially as the weather is getting nice, I've noticed over the last week or so, um, a lot of people taking advantage and using the parks. Um, the other day I drove by the parking lot in the back of East Rock Park, and it was overflowing. Um, so obviously I know everyone would like to be outside, and I was just wondering if you had any plans to, to limit um, the amount of people or, or close the parks altogether. Thanks for the question. And this is a, an issue that we've been really struggling with. Um, I, I've been getting reports and text messages from people all around the city about large groups congregating at parks. That was one reason why we decided to close playgrounds yesterday. Um, as far as parks goes, uh, we've taken some actions to uh, limit congregating at parks. Uh, we've closed, we put up the chains so that there's not large, large numbers of people that are driving into the park. Many people have cut the chains. We've re removed uh, basketball nets. We've removed tennis nets. Um, we don't want people uh, to stay cooped up so much that they can't even walk outside to exercise, but people have to stay away from each other. And uh, the issue with parks is it's very hard for us to just close parks because you know, our parks in New Haven don't have fences around them, and many of them, uh, we're, we're blessed to, that many of them are very, very large. Um, but it's very important that people don't gather in large groups. And so if people do uh, see large groups in parks, uh, they can call the police department non-emergency number, and an officer will come out and just ask people to disperse. Um, that is actually very helpful. This is a time when people really have to follow the directions that we've been giving. Um, and do their part, their civic duty to protect all the people in the community. Um, it's an issue that we're really struggling with on how to address and uh, a combination of taking away some of the 
um, the facilities uh, to uh, reduce people's likelihood of being there. And also public outreach is one thing that we're doing. We also have uh, police cars with uh, loudspeakers that have my voice on them, reminding people not to congregate in large groups. So we're, we're trying a number of different strategies to address this issue. Uh, Mayor Elliker, the weather is just going to keep getting nicer. And so when you say that you're struggling with this now, I can't imagine if we're still waiting for this surge uh, in cases to come the next uh, month or so that this problem is going to go away. It might even worsen. Nancy wants to know what advice and guidance do you have to safely get outside? Because getting exercise, getting fresh air is important. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about my own um, my own personal conduct is that uh, I often uh, go running and uh, I'll choose a route that I know it's not likely that I'll have to be close to other people. Um, uh, sometimes I even uh, step into uh, off the sidewalk and out in the street a little bit to avoid people. I think people just need to be smart about it. Um, my wife and I have two young uh, children and we talk to them about how now is a, a very special time where we're not supposed to go and hug other people and get close to other people. Um, I think these are uh, very counterintuitive to our nature as humans. And that's one of the reasons why it's very difficult for people to change um, what is uh, culturally ingrained in us. Um, but it's so critical that they do so. Uh, we know that there is a lot of focus on young people, especially with distance learning. I imagine that there are many schools in New Haven that have just started that up today. Uh, but in terms of, of the weather warming up and once uh, they're done with their work June 30th, how do you make sure that kids are engaged and not getting themselves into trouble? It's something that happens in, in certain areas and around our country, especially when the weather warms up, Mayor Elker. Yeah, this has been a, um, a topic of conversation, not just after um, quote unquote school ends, right? Because it doesn't even feel like there's an active school um, uh, regime right now, uh, <laughs> but even today. Um, and actually my wife just texted me photos of my daughter. Um, today, the New Haven Public Schools has launched their online education system and my daughter's on her iPad uh, doing some exercises that the teacher gave uh, to her. Um, I've been uh, very proud of New Haven Public Schools and the work that they're doing. This is a very difficult situation where um, New Haven has a lot of challenges with online learning. Uh, there's many, many families that don't have access to devices. Uh, our public school system has distributed around 5,600 devices to families to make sure that they can do some online learning. Um, it's not many, but some families don't have access to Wi-Fi, and there's an effort to um, uh, to let families know about reduced cost Wi-Fi that uh, some of the Wi-Fi providers are implementing. Um, but uh, 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 there are some individuals, particularly high school kids, that um, uh, uh, we generally have a uh, youth stat program and a youth outreach program that uh, works to support individuals that are very high risk for getting involved in, um, in violence and in um, and that sort of activity. And it's much more difficult for our street outreach team to interact with young people when they can't physically do so. Uh, they've been doing so uh, on uh, the internet and also via phone to try to be very proactive to reduce the likelihood of there being uh, problems. When, you know, when there's not a lot of structure during the day, uh, it's easy for people to go off track. And so we have a number of um, number of individuals in the youth department and uh, nonprofits that we're partnering with uh, to give this kind of support that um, we can as best we can and, and given the, the difficult infrastructure problems that we have right now uh, to support kids that may be struggling.
Uh, before we head to break, uh, we heard from Sarah on Twitter. Uh, she asks Mayor Elliker, please appeal to the office of Governor Ned Lamont to change the exception that currently allows groups of up to 50 people to meet for religious purposes uh, before next Sunday. And so what is uh, the latest in terms of people um, who want to, uh, who are religious and want to to somehow find a way to meet? I mean, what is the guidance that you're telling your residents in New Haven? Well, so we've, uh, our team has spent a lot of time uh, uh, doing outreach and collaboration with uh, pastors. Um, Dr. Dalal and uh, Director Maritza Vond, our health director, hosted a call where there were over 130 religious leaders and pastors um, hosted a Zoom call about a week and a half ago in order to uh, uh, collaborate and inform uh, the community about why it's so important to not gather in groups to, uh, to, to practice social distancing. Um, our religious leaders are those individuals that many, many people in our community look to for guidance and support. And um, in this time when people are really struggling there's a strong need for that kind of spiritual guidance. So it almost feels counterintuitive for us to be asking people not to physically go to church. I know that many of the pastors are doing um, uh, remote uh, services, um, which of course is not the same, but it's the best we can do now. We've been very collaborative. I, I don't know if Dr. Delilah, you have anything to add on that because I know your team has worked hard to um, do that communication. Yeah, we've, we've uh, in addition to what the mayor mentioned, we've developed a detailed uh, Q&A um, uh, information sheet for our religious leaders in our community. And uh, we've really relied on uh, messengers in the religious community to help us, not just in terms of spreading the message, but having concrete uh, um, technical support to those uh, those religious institutions that may not be familiar with teletechnology. Uh, we are partnering with uh, the Yale Divinity School. Uh, some of the, the religious leaders there have offered uh, um, other religious institutions uh, technical support on how to stand up uh, uh, teleservices. And in addition to that, we have um, provided uh, 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 guidance on, on how donations can be made online. Many of our religious institutions in our community rely on in-person services for operating expenses. So we provided uh, technical support, or our partners have provided technical support with respect to how to maintain the donations uh, during this time. You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Uh, with me via Zoom, Justin Elliker, the mayor of New Haven, also Dr. Mehul Dalal, the community services administrator for the city of New Haven. He oversees the health department and social services department. Now, if you live in New Haven, we want to hear from you. Are you a first responder, a teacher, a business owner in the Elm City? What questions do you have for Mayor Elliker? Join us, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today with us via Zoom, the mayor of New Haven, Justin Elliker, also Dr. Mehul Dalal, the city's community services administrator who oversees the health and social services departments. You can join us, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Arthur's calling from New Haven. Arthur, you're on the show. Yes, hi. Um, I wanted to ask the mayor... I know it would be a tough call, but are, which charity 
uh, in New Haven should be uh, a person's highest priority when thinking about making a contribution. That's like asking, what's my favorite pizza place in New Haven? I can't have a favorite, right? <laughs> Um, I, I, I would answer that there's uh, this time uh, we've we've seen uh, huge sacrifices by the business community. Um, basically, most businesses are shut down at this point and they're really struggling. And also on the nonprofit side, there's a, a, a very um, almost ironic situation where uh, nonprofits are, have been hit very hard with their ability to fundraise. Uh, there's not as much money in the community right now because so many people don't have um, a regular source of income, people that are reliant on um, on their jobs. You've seen unemployment skyrocket, and those people would be donating to nonprofits. Nonprofits are unable to host their um, gatherings and fundraisers, things like that. But at the same time, this is the the most important time for our nonprofits to be um, uh, to be actively supporting the community. And so I would encourage people to um, uh, to look at what they care about um, and invest in what they care about. I know that there's a lot of people that are concerned in particular uh, about groups that uh, don't have the kind of resources that others do, uh, the homeless population, the undocumented population. Um, and so those are areas where I think uh, there's, a, a, there's a potential for people to make a strong um, investment. Um, our healthcare providers out there, uh, particularly our community health centers, um, are doing incredible work and in putting their lives at risk. Uh, and so that's another area where I think that there's a lot of opportunity to support. And then I think we're seeing a lot on the emergency food providers. Uh, there's been so many groups that uh, usually have food pantries and have been continuing to do so. The city's released some guidance about how to do that in a way that practices social distancing and ensures the um, sanitation of things that are given out so that people don't uh, spread the virus. Um, so I would urge you to look around and, um, and find that uh, nonprofit that uh, you feel is, inspi is inspiring in the way that they're doing work through this crisis. Uh, Mayor, just briefly, when you mentioned how people can still contribute to, to food kitchens and do it in a, a way that's not spreading the virus, uh, can you tell us briefly what that guidance is? Can I just hand that over to Dr. Dalal because yeah. he's been working on that? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, typically when we distribute food, there's a, uh, a set of normal sanitation practices that one would follow uh, just to make sure uh, that the, the process of the food distribution is healthy. In the era of coronavirus, we have to enhance those practices substantially. So um, the primary principle is social distancing. So which means that if there's a queue that forms uh, with respect to uh, the pickup of the food, uh, we should make sure that the queue and anyone in the queue is standing six feet apart from each other. Uh, to the extent possible, we should avoid queues by staggering pickup times. These are just some examples of strategies. Anyone who's distributing the food should, uh, again, have an enhanced set of uh, personal precautions with respect to how they're doing it. So even the workers who are distributing the food should be six feet apart from each other, and they should be wearing gloves while they're uh, uh, handing out the food. The food also should be packed and not in an open uh, format container. So many, many of our uh, the nonprofits who have done this work for decades in New Haven have been admirable in how they've shifted their practices on such short order. So I, my, my, uh, my heart and gratitude goes out to those, those organizations.
Uh, Mayor Elliker, uh, we know that unemployment claims are surging, uh, not just in Connecticut, but around the country. Peter wants to know what can your city do to help tenants who have lost their jobs and now cannot pay their rent? Yeah, this is a really uh, challenging situation, and I'm very happy that the federal government uh, uh, approved the stimulus package. The state as well is providing some resources, particularly to local businesses um, in the form of loans. And I think in the first 24 hours of their program, they had to stop uh, the um, applications because they received so many, which is an indication of just how significant the problem is. In New Haven, what we're trying to do is um, promote through our economic development uh, uh, department, uh, people buying things locally. Um, if they're thinking about uh, buying something online, uh, think about, is there an option locally, a gift card? Um, there's a lot of restaurants uh, that are still delivering and doing takeout. And so we're encouraging that. Um, the, the federal stimulus package, my understanding, provides um, support for businesses if they rehire or continue to play the, pay their employees. So that's something I think is very critical to keeping, um, keeping all of us as much as possible whole through this um, crisis so that when it ends, we can hit the ground running. Um, and, uh, and the state has also put a moratorium on evictions uh, so that um, people that are unable to pay their rent can uh, can not become homeless, which would contribute to uh, the spread of the virus, as we've talked about, because of the challenges of um, self-isolation and making sure that individuals are not congregating in large groups, um, which happens inherently in some of our homeless shelters. We just have a few minutes left. Uh, someone did call in from another town, Mayor Elliker, but she's someone who um, is over 70. Um, she has uh, different uh, medical conditions. Uh, relatives have been able to um, help her out now with groceries, but she worries about people who um, can't travel that may be cut off from trying to get uh, resources like food. Uh, so for people in your city uh, that are struggling with that as well, um, that have food right now but are worried about the next couple of weeks and what if they're, um, one of their family members can't help them at that time? I mean, how, how will the city of New Haven reach them? So um, Dr. Delon and his team are working on a, um, an infrastructure for providing basic needs to people um, for just this type of situation. As you can imagine, um, for the entire city, uh, our ability to support everyone in the city is very challenging, but the team is working to do that. I, I don't know, Dr. Delon, you have anything in particular to add on that point? Yeah, we are we are looking at that issue and 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 attempting to uh, figure out the best way we can address that challenge. Right now, our priority, of course, is the uh, is the elderly population because we want to do everything we can to support our our older adults to stay at home, which means making sure that they can access their their critical needs. Uh, the mayor mentioned earlier a uh, a partnership with uh, with Fairhaven Community Health Center and uh, assessing and addressing the needs of the residents of Bella Vista. Uh, that is our priority right now. We are we are making sure in partnership with them that anyone in Bella Vista has some uh, essential needs um, uh, that that they are they, that they are met, and we do want to try to scale up that program uh, as much as possible through the priority po populations in New Haven.
Uh, Mayor Elliker, uh, before we run out of time, uh, could you talk about this uh, Medical Reserve Corps uh, that you've launched? Uh, again, healthcare workers, first responders that do this each day, uh, they're in harm's way. If they end up having to be quarantined for two weeks, we're going to need more volunteers. Uh, what are you hearing from people in New Haven after you put out the call? So um, we had been struggling to uh, identify people to staff some of the facilities that we're trying to stand up. And um, then we put out the call through the Medical Reserve Corps, which is basically a statewide system where people can volunteer in their community um, to uh, do a variety of things. But our particular interest is people that have some sort of health background and expertise, whether it's an EMT or um, an RN or an MD. And within two days of us putting out this call, we had more than 200 people apply. Uh, which I think is just an indication that um, people are uh, wanting to step up and help their community, even if um, there is potential risk to that. Um, we're, we're very grateful for the number of people that have stepped up. Um, we'll be processing these um, applications and uh, reaching out to folks uh, if they fit the right criteria as soon as possible so that, that um, we can help them help us. Um, that's, it's inspiring that so many people have reached out and are interested in volunteering. We're going to have to leave it there. I want to thank Mayor Justin Elliker, who leads the city of New Haven. Thank you for joining us via Zoom today, Mayor. Thank you. Also, Dr. Mehul Dalal, the Community Services Administrator for the city of New Haven. Dr. Dalal, thank you. Thank you. Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff. Thanks to Kate Tolarski on the phones. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>